Hello and welcome to the podcast of Britain Christian Church. We exist to be a lighthouse of hope to our community in OKC. Now, here's Pastor Trey. We're going to continue our study of Revelation. We are still in chapter 13. This is Beast Mode Part 2. You know, every good movie has a great sequel, right? So this is the sequel to uh, last the last time that I spoke. So uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 to verse 18, and then we'll get there in a second. I'm sure that by now you guys have probably already seen or you've heard about the Netflix game show, Is It Cake? Anybody watch that? Participants compete for a chance to win $75,000 by baking some of the most incredibly realistic and editable objects with personal significance. I mean, these things are mind-blowing. And it would fool just about any one of us in this room today. They have baked things that, that resemble a child's toy and things that look like fresh produce. And you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They've baked things that look like bags filled with money, and they've made sports equipment. I'm talking about handbags and household appliances. This thing is it's unbelievable. And if you've seen the show, those of us who have seen the show, uh, you know how hard it can be to spot the fake or the cake, right? See what I did there? You know how hard it can be to spot uh, the fake. Today, we're going to talk about another fake. Only this one doesn't come from cake. It actually comes from the dragon of chapter 12 and the first beast of chapter 13, which we talked about the last time that I preached. If you thought it was hard to identify which cake on that TV show was, was real or not, it's going to prove even harder for you to identify the deception of the beast. And folks, if you're not plugged into the living word of God, if you have not been marked by God as his very own, I'm sad to say for you this morning, you stand no chance at identifying the deception of Satan. But if you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God's promise, if you belong to Christ and he is yours, then I have hope for you this morning. You have absolutely nothing to worry about because our God, as I've stated every time I've preached through Revelation, our God is in total and complete control of what's going on. Now, as always, before we get too deep into the message, I always want to take the time to read through God's word to see what God actually has to say. And then I want to pray for us and pray over us that uh, the Holy Spirit would help us to understand what God's word is saying. So follow along with me, starting in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 to verse 18. John says, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, 
whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. He deceives them by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and live. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, slave and free, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Pray with me. God, this morning we take comfort in knowing that you are sovereign. God, you are in total control of this day and every day that comes in our future. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and by it you say that we are sanctified. And so we ask, God, that you would do that in us today. Set us apart, God, for your glory. Set us apart from the world, that we may live our lives in such a manner that those who see us we give glory and honor to you as you rightfully deserve. God, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So the last time that I spoke, we looked at the first beast of chapter 13, uh, in verses 1 to verse 10. Now, as a reminder, what we saw there in that first part of Revelation chapter 13 really is a result of the dragon's rage from chapter 12. At the end of chapter 12, we see the many failed attempts of the dragon to kill the child uh, who we've identified as Jesus Christ. He has failed on many attempts to kill the woman. And then at the end of chapter 12, he turns his rage towards the offspring of the woman. That would be the church universal. In chapter 13, we're introduced to two beasts. And John told us last time that the first beast came out of the sea. I just finished watching King Kong versus Goliath. Godzilla, sorry, not Goliath, that's another one. Um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, and I thought about Chapter 13 from Revelation, there is the sea monster, and then there's the monster that comes from the earth. So we're somewhat looking at an apocalyptic King Kong versus Godzilla. The first beast comes out of the sea, and what many students of the Bible are convinced of is that this beast from the sea is the Antichrist. He is some geopolitical figure who will one day lead the charge in establishing a one-world government with a one-world religion and a one-world economy. Now, John tells us in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have already heard that the Antichrist is coming, 
He says, even now, many antichrists have already come. And we know this is the last hour because of the many antichrists who have already come. You know, some folks are so overly concerned with identifying a future dictatorial ruler who will blatantly and publicly oppose Jesus Christ that they often miss the antichrist and anti-Christian ideas that are right under their very noses. Church, we don't have to wait for some undisclosed time in the future for the antichrist. There are plenty of antichrist and anti-Christian uh, ideologies right among us today. One source, J. Scott Duvall says, since the beast and the kings in Daniel chapter 7 portray nations and rulers who attack God's people, John appears to have something similar in mind when he writes this revelation. He goes on to say that the beast from the sea symbolizes the perpetual deification of secular authority or the rulers of evil which lie behind the kingdoms of this world. Now probably this figure would have been understood to be someone like uh, Nero, the Roman emperor, or maybe even Domitian. And the truth of the matter is we have no real way of knowing. And as I've stated before, I am less concerned with who the beast is than I am with what this beast comes to do. So I want to break down this chapter, and I believe that uh, this section of Revelation, verse 11 to 18, can be broken down into three main parts, highlighting, number one, the deception of Satan. Number two, it highlights a call for followers of Christ to be fully dedicated to him and even willing to put our lives on the line for his glory. And finally, there is a call for you and me as followers of Christ, as the church, to be wise and discerning. Now let's look at this first section, verse 11 to verse 14. Again, John says that he saw another beast coming out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. This one exercises all the authority of the first beast in the presence of that beast, and he causes the earth and all those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. That first beast had a wound that was healed. He performed great signs so that he even makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. And he tells those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast whose wound who was wounded by the sword and yet live. Now, there are many varying opinions about who this beast was or is or who this beast will be that, folks, it can honestly be hard to keep up. But I'm convinced that if we will stick to the word of God, if we will look into God's scripture, there are a lot of things that you and I can know about who this beast is and what this figure comes to do. One of the first things that, that we know from Scripture about this beast is that according to Revelation 16, verse 13, chapter 19, verse 20, and chapter 20, verse 10, this is the false prophet. 
This is the third person of the unholy trinity. Now, Michael Wilcock claims that the second beast is, in modern parlance, the ideology, whether it be religious or philosophical or political, which gives breath to any human social structure that is organized independently of God. The second beast that John sees coming out of the earth has characteristics that resemble a lamb. The word in Greek is ornion, and this Greek word that John uses for lamb is used 29 times in the book of Revelation. 28 of those references are used exclusively for Jesus Christ as being powerful and victorious over death because of his resurrection. Only one other time is this reference used, and it's not used of Jesus, and it's here in Revelation chapter 13. John tells us that the beast had two horns like, and that is a, an important word. That is a key term in this revelation. He had two horns like a lamb, because you see, he's a copycat. It's all smoke and mirrors with, with Satan. Don't be fooled by the deception of his appearance, because although he may look like a lamb, yet he speaks like a dragon. He speaks like a dragon who accuses Christians before God both day and night. He speaks like a dragon out of whose mouth comes unclean spirits, a dragon who will be fed to the flames of hell where he, along with the first beast and the false prophet, will suffer torment for all eternity. See, Jesus told us in Matthew's gospel that we should beware of false prophets who come to us in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. How often have we read or, or listened to reports about failed pastors or ministry leaders who have snuffed out the flames of fire and those who once believed in Jesus, the fire burning brightly in them. But they were snuffed out because of the deceptive and destructive practices of those in ministry. There's always deception, always deception with Satan. The word of God tells us that he is the father, the, the originator of lies. You see, the word deception means to be led astray. It means to, to cause to wander. And this is one of Satan's most effective tools in his bag of tricks. Another thing that we can learn about this beast from God's word is that he will act in a similar manner as the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. Here Jesus says, when, the, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, He'll guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. Just as the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own authority, neither will the earth beast, this second beast, he speaks with the authority of the first beast, the Antichrist. And we know from Scripture what authority this first beast had, right? 
So if you look at verse 5 to verse 6 of Revelation 13, we can see there that he was given authority to blaspheme all that was of God. In verse 7, he was given authority to make war with the saints, the people of God, and even to overcome them at some point. And finally, in verse 7 and verse 8, he is given authority over every people group on the face of the planet. Now, there's another way that he mimics the Holy Spirit, and it's this. Just as the Holy Spirit does not glorify himself, but rather he takes every opportunity to point out Jesus Christ and to lead people to Christ, so will the second beast. He uses his authority to, to point people to the first beast and to the dragon, leading them into worshiping him. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language of people will be led into worshiping the Antichrist. And the way he'll do that, the way he'll deceive people is identified in verse 13 and 14. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, sort of like the prophet Elijah. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So the way in which this second beast will be able to deceive people is through the use of miracles, of signs and wonders. Listen carefully to what J. Scott Duvall says. Sadly, some Christians today are incredibly gullible and ignorant when it comes to the whole issue of power. If the demonstration of power is magnificent enough, they'll believe it. Christians need to be more knowledgeable about how God uses power and more discerning about the motives and the purposes of those who grasp for power. Remember that Jesus said, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And there will be no sign given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Folks, the only evidence that you and I need of the power of God is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, this is why we preach Christ crucified. This is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday so that your faith would not be in our ability to preach well, but rather it would be in the demonstration of God's love and power through Jesus Christ. Don't be fooled by the deception of Satan. The word of God is filled with warnings about chasing after signs and wonders, always looking for a miracle. Jesus says that false prophets and false Christ will rise up and they will show great signs and wonders and they will deceive so many people. And it's quite possible that they will even deceive the elect. Again, the only proof that we really need of God's sovereignty, of his power and authority is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now those who dwell on the earth, those whose minds have been blinded by the God of this age because of their unbelief, they'll be led astray 
They'll be led astray by those signs and those wonders that the false prophet will perform. And make no mistake, uh, Satan can do some incredible things within certain limits. And if we aren't tapped into the Holy Spirit of God, we'll be led right off the cliff with the rest of the unbelieving world. One of my favorite hip-hop artists is a guy by the name of D1. D1 has been a rapper for about 15 years. He was a middle school teacher in New Orleans. Um, he's now a professor at Tufts University. He's a fellow at Harvard University as well. Uh, D1 has been using his gift and his platform to disrupt the music industry because he has been calling out artists who are producing and performing uh, demonic music, so to speak, um, uh, just things that are unhealthy for, for the community. And D1 says something that I don't believe crosses the minds of most of us. He said that the devil will bless you too. The devil will bless you as well. Folks, Satan will open some doors for you that God never intended for you to walk through. He will give you some things that, that God never wanted for you to have in the first place. Or some things that God wanted you to have at some future time, Satan will expedite those and get them to you faster than you needed them. Daniel Aiken says, not everything that appears to be a miracle is a miracle. And not everything that is a miracle comes from God. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 13, the beast made fire fall down from heaven in the sight of men, and they were convinced of his power. Their willingness to accept this strange fire from the beast was possibly inspired by their refusal of the true fire that came from the two witnesses earlier in Revelation chapter 11, verse 5. And see, that's why 1 John tells us that we are to not believe every spirit. Instead, we are to test those spirits and see if they're actually from God. Because false prophets have gone out into all the world. Church, don't let the devil deceive you with his trickery. Follow hard after Christ instead. Now this brings us to the next main point of this revelation. Followers of Christ will have to be fully and completely dedicated to Christ, even if it means death for us. We will have to be fully dedicated to Christ, even if our lives are on the line. Revelation 15, uh, chapter 13, verse 15 to 17 says that he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the beast, the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. This is going to be a period of time where the church will undergo great 
persecution for the sake of Christ. And a decision will have to be made. A line will have to be drawn in the sand. Either you will commit yourselves fully to Christ and live, or you will commit yourselves to the dragon and suffer death for all eternity. Now, we've seen this thing happen already in Daniel, right? In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up a golden image. And he demands that everybody worships that image. They bow down to that image. And if they refuse, then they would suffer death for their rebellion. However, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they have fully committed themselves to following God. They have dedicated themselves fully to following God regardless of the outcome. They were convinced of the power of God, and they declare that our God is able. He will deliver us. But if for some reason God decides not to save us and we have to endure the flames of the furnace, we still will not bow to anyone but him. In his letter to the church at Smyrna, Jesus wrote these words. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Daniel Aiken points out that during the time that John is recording this revelation, the church was enduring economic, physical, religious, and even social opposition. They were marked out and ostracized. They had experienced economic boycott, and they were being misrepresented on all fronts. They paid a price for their belief. It cost them to take a stand for Jesus. There was a real sacrifice in remaining faithful to Jesus Christ. Folks, even now, I think this is a real weakness in the body of Christ. So many people who have claim the name of Jesus Christ for themselves, have divided loyalties. One foot is in the world and another foot is within the church. They are not fully convinced of the power of God and yet not willing to commit themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus. I love what Robert Mont says, a half-hearted Christian will not surrender their lives for a cause that they do not believe in. Pastor David Platt, in his sermon, Fighting From, Not For, Victory, says this. He says, mark it down. There will always be a price to pay for believers who do not worship the idols of this world. Life will not be easy in this world when you fight against the idolatry of this world, plain and simple. You see, those who who will choose to worship the dragon, they'll be marked out. They'll have some identification that will allow them to roam about freely, to buy and sell and trade and do business. But again, this is all smoke and mirrors. It's all deception because... What happens is that the beast will demand loyalty under the penalty of death. 
Yet Jesus Christ offers freedom and he offers life. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah records. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Folks, Jesus has already marked out those who belong to him. He's already written his name on our foreheads. He has sealed us for the day of our redemption by the Holy Spirit. And while we may suffer in this world and we may be denied access to buy and sell and trade without the mark of the beast in this world, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 reminds us that according to the grace of God, he has already provided for us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So as James says, we should consider this an opportunity for rejoicing. Because when we are fully committed to Christ and, and all the dust has settled, we will find that we have lacked nothing, but we will be complete and satisfied. Look at this final section. In verse 18, there is a call for us to be discerning. It ends by saying, this is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, you've lived long enough. You know that this number has been used to identify so many different things and people, right? What is the mark of the beast? Who is the Antichrist? Uh, some, of, some of those have been identified as the Roman Emperor Nero, Ronald Wilson Reagan. I know you've heard of that before. Uh, the Pope is the Antichrist, according to some folks. The mark of the beast has been believed to be our social security cards, our credit cards, computers, our cell phones, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, I call my mom every week. She lives in Louisiana, and um, I call her every week just to check in on her. Mom, how are you doing? How was your doctor's appointment? Whenever I type in M-O-M -M on my phone, you know what comes up? Six, six, six. <laughs> you can become so obsessed with identifying who the Antichrist is or what the mark of the beast is that it can drive you crazy. Or you can take comfort in knowing that because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the only mark that truly matters for you and me is that the name of God has been written on us, and he has redeemed us for himself. I love what Daniel Aiken says about this number. He says, the statement is this. It is the number of a man. It is the number of a man. His number is 666. He says, I think the number is more a description 
than in identification. Six is the number of a man, according to Scripture. He was created on the sixth day, and he is to work for six days. In contrast, the number of perfection is seven, and the superlative of seven is 777. He says, the beast is the greatest man, but he's still just a man. He's a six. He's not a seven. He, along with Satan and the false prophet, is a 666, a trinity of imperfection. Not now, not ever will they be a 777. He is the best that man can produce, but he is still just a man. Here's the completeness of sinful incompleteness, the ultimate in coming up short. He is good enough to deceive many, but not yet good enough, not even close to good enough to displace Jesus Christ. Amen? Did you guys stand with me? This morning, church, there can only be one sovereign ruler. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is more than a man. He is God indeed. And for some of you this morning, a choice has to be made. Will you commit yourselves to following Christ regardless of the outcome? Or will you compromise and allow the enemy to continue deceiving you with his bag of tricks? You have a choice to make. Receive the mark of the beast or receive the mark of Christ and live. Some of you may be here this morning and you have no idea how much God has loved you until this point. And maybe you've heard God speaking to you today and you know that it is time for you to make a decision. You're either going to be for Christ or you're going to be against him. You see, the devil will continue to deceive you. And as, again, as D1 said, he will bless you and, and, and fool you into believing that, that the life you're living apart from Christ is the life that you are always destined to live. Now, will you allow him to continue to blind you to the light of God's truth, which is found in the face of Jesus Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Or will you allow the true light of the world, Jesus Christ, to shine brightly within your heart this morning? A choice has to be made. Either Christ or not. If you're here this morning and you are, you're not a Christian, but you sense that the Lord has been speaking to you this morning and you would like for him to autograph his name upon your head and upon your heart, that you may be redeemed starting this day for your future eternity, uh, then I want to invite you to come and to give your, your life to Christ and let us welcome you into the fellowship of God and his people into his kingdom. Our pastors and our elders are going to come up. And if you, if you need prayer, maybe you're kind of, waffling back and forth you're not sure but you want somebody to pray with you and to help you understand what God 
has done on your behalf. The Word of God says that he demonstrates his love for you in this way. That he has allowed Christ to take your place on the cross. Satan won't do that. No matter how much he may allow good to happen in your life, he won't love you to the point that he would give himself for you. He wants you to die for him. You see, the reason the prophet Isaiah can record those words that we can buy bread and wine and milk without costs and without money is because Jesus has paid it all. He has paid it all. The word of God says that he is a propitiation for the sins of all humanity. He has paid everything you owe in debt to sin. So come. If you want to surrender your life this morning. Thanks for listening today. You can watch past sermons on our YouTube channel at Britain Church. We would love to see you on Sunday morning for one of our services at 8.30 or 10.40. Have a great week.